Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Treasure Vault and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the last couple of months. We begin by talking marriage and parenting with Melanie and Aaron Cohn, a young Jewish couple. After that, we speak with and listen to music by Michael James Meddy, who has a new album, Arts and Humanity. In our second half hour, we switch gears completely and speak about celibacy with Mary Bastido, a woman who is living one of the most ancient vocations of the church, the life of permanent consecrated virginity. We end the program by catching up with singer-songwriter Chris Bray, who also has a new album, The Praises of His People. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook or Twitter. We begin now with marriage and family. Right now, we are between synods on the family. We had the Extraordinary Synod, or Preparatory Synod, of bishops on the family last October, and the Ordinary Synod will take place this year, 2015, also in October. Also, this year in September is the World Meeting of Families. So, in a way, this is very much a year to celebrate marriage and family. And so, throughout the year, we're going to be featuring interviews and conversations with various married couples of all kinds of backgrounds who share their perspectives on marriage and family. And today I share an excerpt of a conversation I had with Melanie and Aaron Cohn, a young Jewish couple. They've been married for 12 years and they have two kids. If you were Catholic and you wanted to be married in the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church in most dioceses around the world will make you do a marriage course preparation. How is the equivalent? Is there an equivalent? Right. So uh, one of the first steps in Jewish marriage is the, the, the um, you were seeing the engagement process, right? Uh -huh. So we went through that and um, through our rabbi at the synagogue we, we had conversations and a few mm -hmm. lessons and um, we discussed some text uh, from, from the Torah and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. etc. So but that was something that we actually we were elected to do. To do. Yeah. It's not yeah. a requirement the way it is, um, you know, in, in other right. in other mm -hmm. faiths. So yeah. in other traditions. So, but for us, I think one one thing that was also really important was we wanted to have a special relationship with the rabbi who was going to marry us because uh -huh. we wanted the ceremony to be a personal one mm -hmm. and to be one that he had sort of seen us go through this process together yeah. and was able to personalize. Um, the the ceremony so that was a big part of why mm -hmm. we and and we sort of sure. was something that we wanted together but uh, most of our friends I don't think have done that no no wait so when you were studying uh, or or reflecting on the the particular text of the Torah I mean presumably text on marriage mm -hmm. not so much to prepare for the ceremony but actually to help you in your for the future life, for, for future, the future. Mm -hmm. so how was that so so the f can I call it formation preparation was not so much you know, let's learn about bank accounts and parenting and sexuality. No. no. So it was more of a, a faith. Yeah. It was really around the, the you know, the, the scriptures. And what the scriptures say. Yeah. And do you remember anything that you learned that really uh, grabbed you or that, that, or that you still hold on to today? Well, I have two things, I guess, that I hang on to. One is the view that um, woman was created out of the side of a man. Uh -huh. And really that's because it's not from a, another part, it's really to be kind of a partner and a best friend. And that's really, I think, the partner in life and what I think is so critical. And the second thing um, that I think um, that really stood out for me, and it's something that actually um, through the tradition 
um, that we often read on Friday night and stuff, The Woman of Valor, and mm -hmm. it's something that a husband mm -hmm. reads to a wife, and it talks about, um, you know, what that woman is all about, the values that they imbue, um, the kind of person they are, the kind of mother they are, the wife that they are, um, the person who um, who gives to the community, and um, and that is something that is really has always stuck with me. Let me stop you for a second. This is something that you do every Friday night the, yeah. the, for Shabbat. Mm -hmm. It's something that the husband? Yeah, traditionally the husband will sing it to the, his, oh, his, yeah. his... What a wonderful tradition to have your husband every Friday night telling you how amazing you are. <laughs> now, Aaron, does Melanie do the or equivalent? <laughs> On a daily basis. <laughs> That's great. So you have two children now, um, a three-year-old and, and a newborn, three-month-old. Congratulations. Um, again, presumably you always thought that you'd not just be married but would have children as parents. Um, did you also have some sort of preparation for that? How did you as a married couple, other than let's just have kids and kind of fly by the seat of our pants? or? Well, I think, I don't think we actually flew by the seat of our pants because in as much as we were engaged quite quickly, we were married actually for seven years before, before we, we had, had children. First, yeah. um, we knew we wanted to have and children. We, we knew we, we wanted, wanted to be, to, but right. we also had things we needed to do. I pursued some additional schooling. We got our, you know, so I think, and it was actually something that um, a lot of our friends have had children sooner. Yeah, and yeah. I think for us, we really wanted to feel ready and kind of be in a different headspace. So mm -hmm. for us, it, it actually was the most amazing blessing at the perfect time. Um, and, and I think we were quite ready. Um, it wasn't something that we got married in right away, didn't think about it. It was something that right. we really thought through. And, you know, we did quite a bit um, before then. Were you thinking that when you were married, it wouldn't have been the right time to have children? That you wouldn't have been ready or that there were other things that you wanted to do as a married couple before you had children. Right, I mean, I think, I mean, in terms of the additional schooling piece of it, I mean, that right. we wanted to get through that, but in mm -hmm. terms of, uh, you know, still getting to know each other and living your life and establishing a household mm -hmm. and that type of a household sure. you want to establish, I think, for, for us from that perspective, we wanted to wait a little bit of time and, and, and really uh, mm -hmm. be, be close together before and we really started. And really cultivate our marriage, exactly. for sure. Were there any ideas that you had about marriage and family or parenting <clears throat> 12 years ago that you don't have now that has changed now that you are living it? I, I think or that have been reinforced? Well, I mean, to be honest, you know? I think once you're living it, it changes everything, right? I mean, you can say you want to be this type of parent or that type of parent, but yeah. it's also the type of child you're going to have, too, yes. that directs that. So um, from a specific, probably not, but yeah. in terms of it's basically we do it on every day. Every day is a different day, and there's different challenges you face every day. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the best way we've done that. So. Yeah. How about you, Melanie? I think um, really trying to make the most of every minute that I have because I think they grow so quickly and they change so quickly and I think um, all the wonderful things that we experience and all the blessings are also mm -hmm. difficult at the same mm -hmm. time and it's you know it's the you know getting up at night and and yeah. you know but but I have to say like I try to make the most of those times as well because I know that I can only hold them for so long and lift them for so long and sing to them for so long and rock them for so long. Yeah. So it's really about um, taking some of those things that are often seen as challenges and mm -hmm. um, really make, because you know, from make one day to the that. next, it yeah. changes and then you never get it back again. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot of really good advice, but I'm gonna ask you the advice question one more time, sure. maybe just to end up. So if you had to 
to, to give advice to a young couple that is considering marriage. I don't know, maybe in the synagogue they mentor young couples. I'm not sure if they do that. And they've chosen you. What advice would you give them? I think patience, you know, patience, communication, learning about each other for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, th I think once you have that, it's, it, it forms a maybe more of a solid foundation and then you kind of learn more about each other, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you need to have that patience for sure. Patience. Yeah. I would agree. I would see it really as an investment in cultivating your relationship because you're only as strong um, together. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that um, and that that's really what you give your children and you need to be on the same page and those nights when you are exhausted when you want to take it on each other you need to know kind of where you are and I think it can be very overwhelming if you do all that mm -hmm. too quickly and you can easily fall apart because if you don't have your best friend with you you know going through it with you um, and supporting you especially when the difficulties start to happen because they right. do um, you're kind of toast. Yeah, you see that one look to make sure everything is okay, and that's all it takes sometimes, yeah. right? So. Yeah. But it takes time to be able to get there. Exactly. So you would say, if I can take anything, I'm trying to sort of take the one thing you'd say that, that I mean, the marriage is, is really the foundation. Yeah. And, and not to say, well, can we say that it's more important that that's, it, foundationally, I mean. Mm. And then, well, if you, if don't you have, have a healthy that, marriage, you're going to have Then you're healthy. not going to really be able to have the kind of footing you need to, um, to raise children yeah. because it's it's a lot of hard work. It is. Good. And it's wonderful work. It's the best it's the <laughs> best work absolutely. in the entire world. The most world. important work, absolutely. And it is. And that's absolutely. why and, and you gotta be prepared for it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you can idealize it just like you idealize marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a lot it's of work. Real world, and right? it's time. Yes. And uh, and it's and really important. Yes, and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Our this pleasure. has been excellent. That was an excerpt of a conversation that I had with Melanie and Aaron Cohn, a young Jewish couple. You can watch the full interview at saltandlighttv.org slash perspectives and also on Roku. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Michael James Meddy with Drown Us in Your Love from his new album, Arts and Humanity.
was Michael James Meddy with Drown Us In Your Love from his new album, Arts and Humanity. Last we spoke with Michael James Meddy, he was just buying an Airstream, a mobile home, and was about to embark with his whole family on a cross-country tour, cross-continent maybe tour. If I remember correctly, they had no time limit. This was May 2013, and it would take as long as it took. And now they're back. And Michael James has a new album, Arts and Humanity. And to tell us all about their adventures and about the new album, I'm now joined by Michael James Meddy. Michael, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Deacon. I appreciate it. So May 2013, you went, and I know that you didn't go off and never you know, returned for two years, but I mean, more or less, did you set out with yeah, no direction? Our, our kind of goal, well, we prayed about it whenever we bought the Airstream, and my wife and I committed that we're going to stick it out for one year. Like, We've okay. never camped before. We've never pulled a trailer. <laughs> oh. It's going to take a while. There's going to be pain and suffering and all this stuff. So it's going to take a year to kind of figure out, you know, up yeah. from down and left from right and make sure uh, that this is something good. And we don't want misery on wheels. Like, no. we, you know, we, we didn't know if it was going to be a great adventure or if it was going to be misery on wheels. We don't want misery. We don't want to drag our kids all around the country just for whatever. Yeah. But after a year, after, actually right away, it was only two or three months in, we we're like, wow, this is this is really an awesome way of, of living and ministering and sharing our gifts and talents with the broader church. Okay, and so um, yeah. So we just kept going. So, yeah. so wait, how many children do you have? There's four, five. Well, when we started, we, we had five. Okay. Now we have six. Okay, good. Sorry, I'm not tr- keeping track. Um, um, yeah, Truman was born just three months ago. Okay, and, and you, so you were living out of this mobile home. Did you sell your house? What did you do? How did that work? Or, or... Yeah, we rented it out to some friends of ours. Okay. We have a house in St. Louis, Missouri, and we rented it out to some friends of ours. Because once again, when we started, 
you know, our parents and some of our close friends were kind of like, you're really going to do this? Like, this is, you know, 200 square feet is not a lot of room for you yeah. and five kids, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and And so we didn't, there was a, a lot of unknowns. Like, we, we, were, we were excited, but there were a lot of unknowns. And right away, we started to see the value of, of me being more present in the kids' lives, obviously, yes. but also the kids getting a chance to see all of, you know, God's creation. It's beautiful, And to see yeah. the way that the Church is expressed, you know, in the Northeast, which is different than the Southwest, and yeah. different than, you know, in Florida, and different in the Midwest. So they were just really able to learn a lot about um, about life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, traveling around with me. So this... And so yeah. just recently, like, we were traveling, and, and we, we really felt like this was what God was calling us to do. But there were some challenges in the trailer kind of Airstream model, as cool as, as, as a yeah. you know, retro-vintage... Airstream yeah. is. Yeah. It was built, you know, 30 years ago, and we were just really putting a lot of miles on it. And and the more we travel, the more parishes would say, "Hey, come play a concert for us, and come play a concert for us." And so um, we looked around, and, and we recently just bought a tour bus, okay, because that's really uh, a much more excellent form of traveling. Now the kids will be able to walk around as we go. They can work on their homeschool while we're driving. Uh, there's bunks. They can go to sleep if we need to drive somewhere else. And it's, uh, we're really excited about this. We just picked it up last week. But that's going to allow us to travel even to even more places uh, and share the gospel uh, in an even more excellent way. Okay, so you've come back not because the tour is over, but because you need to upgrade, basically, so you can continue yeah, it's, in a it's, better way. It's, it's like shifting gears. We're, we're pushing the clutch in right now because we're about <laughs> to go into third gear. Okay, nice. So, so you weren't just traveling to see the country. You were doing ministry. So how did you structure the trip, at least sort of... Because I guess you were going, you committed for a year, but you didn't know what God had in store. So were you booking, trying to book uh, concerts, uh, talks, ministry engagements, yeah, that sort of thing? When it first started out, I was doing a lot more retreats mm-hmm. and a lot more um, parish missions and a lot more um, kind of youth rally things. Yeah. And, as, and then we would do kind of concerts in between to fill in the days. Yeah, and we realized more and more that the concerts were were really where I felt the most fulfilled, and where we felt like we were able to do the best ministry. And so, really, we've transitioned to doing almost solely kind concerts. of uh, evening concerts at parishes. Yeah, last year we played 127 dates, and we've been to 41 of the 50 states in, in the United States. Amazing. Um, and and so the the evening concerts are about. 60 to 90 minutes long, uh-huh. and uh, normally my kids come up for a song, and my wife is involved. She shares some of her testimony, and so it's somewhere um, it's somewhere between a parish mission and an arena rock show. We have right. lights, and we have video, and we have music, and uh, and it's really and we've been able to structure it so that we just do it uh, for a free will donation when we come into parishes. Okay. Um, a lot of times, you know, finances are tight, and we never want money to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just we do it for a donation halfway through, and people have been unbelievably generous. So you were able. I mean, God, God provides. To, so you were able to make a living for the last two years just from doing that. Correct, and not even that. Like it's it's not even surviving; it's thriving. Like you we mean, literally just got a tour bus. Yeah, so uh, you were able you know, to upgrade. Literally all built on donations. So yeah, God okay. be praised. And you're not so. It's just you and your wife and the kids. You don't have techies. You don't have roadies. 
It's just you. we travel with a band sometimes okay. for a different, uh, you know, when, whenever it necessitates it. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, we're a really low budget operation. So my, my road crew, uh, most of them are under, you know, under 10 years old, helping <laughs> me carry in stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's kind of different tasks that they can do. My wife works the merchandise table. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of a family affair. They're learning about business and, <laughs> and logistics, all, uh, all a part of the road travels. Right. So how was, I mean, this can be great for a family, but it can also be challenging. So to talk to me before you tell me about all the great stuff. Tell me about the challenges that that you had, with, you know, 200 square feet, five kids, a wife. Yeah. Eventually a pregnant wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that I don't know how old your eldest daughter. She's your daughter is the eldest, right? You have a daughter. Yeah, you Gabrielle know, is ten and a half. She's eleven now. That's that's difficult for a ten year old. It can be. It how can did you be. How did you navigate you and your wife navigate those those situations? Well, some of the challenges are um, that you're in close proximity uh, a lot of the time, especially when it's bad weather out. Mm-hmm. Um, because when it's bad weather, then everyone is inside. If it's cold or yeah. it's rainy. When it's good weather, they can go play at the park. They can play outside, and it and it's a lot better for everyone. Yeah. Um, some of the challenges are when we have different dates because of the scheduling back to back, and we have long distances to travel. Yeah. Those are hard. Those are hard to be in a car seat or be in you know um, in a van for so long, mm-hmm. and you you know you run out of podcasts to listen to, and you run out of music to listen to, um, you run out of uh, audio books to listen to, and the, the you know, the Wi-Fi or the cell phone reception might not be good. Right. Uh, so those kind of things are, are challenges on the road, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we've found that, that the blessings have, have far outweighed those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, as I've lived in different parts of the country, even before we traveled, uh, I was in the military for a while. Yes. You know, I, I worked at a ministry job for a while. There's this side of heaven. There's always challenges, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't matter what uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Uh, it doesn't matter what your state in life is. Like, there's always going to be uh, challenges to be overcome. Yeah. Uh, but I think when we when we approach it with the spirit of charity and when we sp- uh, approach it with uh, a Christian spirit, you can see that you can offer up your sufferings for something that's even greater. Yeah. Um, well and said. so, so we we really tried to train our our family and our kids to to look at those days and and offer it up. And um, and offered up for other people that that might need prayers more than we do. So when you decided to upgrade to the tour bus, is that a conver- a family? Was that a family meeting? And your kids had as much say as to whether they wanted to continue. How did you m- manage that? Yeah, we we looked at a lot of different buses, uh, and and you know we talked about converting one ourselves because our needs were fairly specific. Yeah, and that we needed uh, living space and also uh, traveling space. Yeah, and so uh, we we really we would include it in our family's prayers uh, quite uh-huh. often. Yeah, uh, and so it you know it's regular that if it's God's will that we can um, get the tour bus and that that'll be a place of peace and that you know dad can learn to drive it and uh, yes. and so. I mean, when God when God wants something to happen, it happens, and it happened very quickly, like in the last month. Uh, just several different dominoes fell in, into place uh, with donors and with uh, tax returns, and then the Airstream sold on eBay for uh, the full asking price, and it's like, okay, well, let's do it. And so That's uh, we drove and delivered the Airstream, and then we drove you know, back for concerts, and then we drove and picked up the bus, and now we're, uh, we're heading down to Texas for the next couple months. 
Wow, that's great. So and people can find out where you're going to be at your website, and I'll give that information later, but I don't want to let you go before you tell me a little bit about the new album, Arts and Humanity. We've been listening to a couple of the songs. So this is it fair mm-hmm. to say that, that this album came out of that adventure, that, that traveling experience? Yeah, very much so. Uh, Arts and Humanity, um, the songs were all written kind of when we were on tour, uh, you know, living in different parts of the country. And one of the things that I saw over and over again is that, um, and I struggle with this too, is that we have a tendency to, to kind of segment our church life from the rest of our life, or, or that we compartmentalize God, or that mm-hmm. we, we kind of have, you know, we let God have part of our life, but not all of it. And I feel like I wanted to try to explore with this album um, an integrated lifestyle, right. and that's kind of what we were living. You know, we were living a lifestyle where you work and you play and you're with your family and it's kind of bring your kid to work day every day. And it's, yes. you know, your ministry, it's all kind of wrapped up together. You know, our business and our ministry and our family, it's all kind of integrated. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the songs I wanted to write about an integrated faith. And so a lot of the songs um, use a lot of, uh, they're written with a sacramental imagination. Yeah. Um, and there's some songs that are overtly prayerful and then other ones that are just talking about uh, spiritual truths or talking about, you know, the riches that our Catholic faith has to offer from more of a uh, cultural point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to write songs, um, I try to write songs out of my own life experience. And so, you know, songs like The Beat Goes On, yeah. it's really an Easter song. It's a song about persevering through darkness and through suffering and through struggles. Um, and, and that life goes on in spite of all of that. Yeah. And, uh, but. And so, obviously, as Christians, as Catholics, we can say, oh, wow, that's the road to Emmaus, that's Easter Sunday. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, but it's not offensive to somebody else. Yeah. I wanted to try to write songs that would invite people back to the Church, people that maybe have fallen away. Absolutely. And I think you've done that. It's, it's a really good album, and in fact, we're going to play that song at the end of the show, The Beat Goes On, even though it's Lent. But I guess Easter is part of Lent, so we can it's look just, forward to it's Easter. It's just around the corner. Absolutely. Mike, uh, Michael James, thank you so much. I hope that you can uh, uh, squeeze in some Canada dates for your next leg of the tour. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and we hope to meet you in person one day. That'd be great. Thanks so much, Deacon. You're welcome. You can find out more about Michael James Meddy, book him for a concert, or find out where he's going to be, or buy his music at his website, michaeljamesmeddy.com. Here now is Michael James with The Beat Goes On, that song, from his new album, Arts and Humanity.
We're listening to Michael James Meddy with The Beat Goes On from his album Arts and Humanity. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Pope Francis has declared this year, 2015, to be the year for consecrated life. And very specifically, that is for people who belong to religious communities, so nuns, monks, brothers, sisters, and priests who belong to religious congregations. But it also includes people who are living a consecrated life of permanent virginity. What is that you say? Well, here's an excerpt of a conversation that I had with Mary Bastido about this most ancient vocation in the Church. The right of consecration to a life of permanent virginity. Yes. <laughs> a life of virginity. Yes. Okay. And it's assumed well, that it's, it's permanent. permanent. Yes. Okay. So you had been renewing for a year. You spoke to Bishop Sherlock in London, and he said, you can do this as a permanent. This is something that exists in the church. Exactly. And it's interesting because it's an ancient rite that is, was very popular in the early days. Well, is it the most ancient form of religious life? I think so. Well, it was very popular in the fourth century, uh-huh. and you'll read some of the bishops talking about the consecrated virgins. Yes. I mean, and I sense it's this impulse from the time of Jesus. Yes. I mean, look at Mary Magdalene, for example. Mm-hmm. Just that impulse to follow Jesus with her whole yeah. life and give her all. I mean, that's at the heart of it. Absolutely. So, but the right fell into disuse as religious orders as, grew exactly. up. Because I guess practically, it, it wasn't practical for a woman to be alone as unmarried well, in, 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 that, in that society, I guess, in that well, world. And so the bishops yes. decided. So that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then the bishops decided again exactly. in the Second Vatican Council exactly. to Which restore it. Which was very it. interesting. 1970, yes. they sort of dusted it off and renewed it and made it available again for women living yes. in the world. So right. that's the other little subtext women living in the world. So it's, 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 it's a celibate life. It's consecrated by the church. Yes. But it's not living in a religious community. That's right. So you're not a religious sister. That's right. You are and I don't have any sign except for this ring, the ring of consecration. Okay. So we don't wear a veil or a habit or anything like and that. And you don't profess vows. No, the wording of it is slightly different, like we are consecrated. So, but there's a whole intentionality about it, like it, it's like, are you resolved to follow Christ with your whole mm-hmm. heart, and are you resolved to receive solemn consecration as a bride of Christ? So the language is very much... It is interesting, because you think that, that yeah, you, that there is a vow of celibacy if it's you're committing to permanent... But it's, it's just slightly different, different than religious life in the nuance mm-hmm. of it. Right. Um, so then you just say yes. Yes. 
and then the bishop lays his hands on you. It's actually more like an ordination in the the way the rite Interesting. evolves. And it's not like with religious vows that you do temporary vows and then permanent no, vows, so it's like you have the rite and that's it. Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the time that I had personally to grow into the vocation was really important. Mm -hmm. It's not something you want to jump into. No. Because it is permanent. Whereas at the beginning it was kind of God saying, yes, this is what mm -hmm. I want. The response finally was, yes, this is what I want to. Yeah, so again, that's surrendering yeah. to, to and who you really are. Yeah, and it is kind of the shape of my heart, and it's my deepest desire to belong totally to the Lord. Yes. And it's um, a leap of faith, and I would say it's the church that's inviting me to believe. It's the church that's calling me to be the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's not something I would ever assume no. on my own. I'm like, really? The bride of Christ, you know, but it's, a, it's this invitation to trust, have the courage to trust it. Yeah, and the fact that it's the church that's called, so it's an ecclesial yeah. vocation, yeah. it's not Very you personally so. saying, I want to consecrate myself to Jesus Christ and, and do it privately, yeah. it's very which, public. Yeah, which you can do, but this yes. is very public. It was a very big event in uh, the parish in Stratford. Yeah. And, and how different, and again, maybe this is not a fair question, but how different is that than, than joining a religious community? In essence, aren't they also being called to be brides of Christ? I think so. Although, you know what, not every religious sister feels that way. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know that because okay. people have told me that. Yes. Like, the vocabulary, is the sort of the spirituality of yeah. it. And there's certainly the community life aspect that you didn't feel yeah. called to join. Yeah. Definitely, you didn't feel called to join a contemplative order. But so, I came back to Toronto, this, this archdiocese, yes. in 93. And so, at the time, Bishop Clune talked to me, and he knew I was a consecrated virgin, and mm -hmm. he said, would you help me just in talking to women if they're yes. interested? Yes. I, he said, they don't want to talk to me. They want to talk to someone of who's course. living it. So since then, I've been uh, accompanying and helping women mm -hmm. to discern in this diocese. Would you call that, that is, would you call it formation? Yeah. Uh, formation slash dis discernment. discernment. Um, so obviously there were other women who were feeling the same tug in wherever they were, however, what a state of life they were in, feeling that same tug and approaching the church because yeah. the bishop knew. Uh, there are a few. Yes. Okay. And, and you know what? It's never going to be a lot of people. Okay. Uh, but I think it's like there's a real value of being a sign. Mm -hmm. uh, and people can consecrate their lives to God in so many different ways. Uh -huh. And we're not saying this is better or anything, mm -hmm. but it's just this one sign that's really held by the church and valued by the church. But I think it's important that uh, it's this witness of the eschatology. Eschatology, yes, yes, yes that's a big um, word that means, th th you mean, so, okay, so you mean that the sign to that marriage, that nuptial union that we're all called to in heaven, in heaven with Jesus Christ, we're all called to that. You're a sign in this life to that life that we're all, to that union that we're all called to. Yeah. Is that what you mean? It, it is, and I think... Um, you know, I think marriage and celibacy are really mutually complementary. Yes. So I think it helps married people to see celibate people mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. Like married people inspire me and hopefully I can be an inspiration to you. That like your wife isn't everything to you. There's more like your heart is given to God. Mm -hmm. It's not just 
the relationship with your spouse. You know what I mean? There's yes, I do. And do you, and and you don't feel that you're giving something up. I mean, you said that your heart is shaped. Well, I am giving something up, but <laughs> it's still my deepest desire. Yes. But there's a sacrifice in it mm -hmm. as well. But the same with you. It you're is not. The same you marry one life. woman. You can't marry all the rest. Yes. You know. So there's an element of. I can't. S sacrifice <laughs> to that, Pedro. <laughs> anyway, um, but I, th I think especially today when our culture is so suspect, mm -hmm. it doesn't trust celibacy. Yes. yes. You know, and if you're a priest, for example, it kind of comes with the package. Yes. It's, and uh, even in religious life, it's poverty, chastity, and obedience. Yes. But with this particular vocation, it's just about chastity. Yes. So. It, it's a witness that God really is giving that gift mm -hmm. to the church today. Right. And the fact that you're living in the world um, they because might they have, can work. They, that's right. Yeah. They have a different mission. Yes. So the work, uh, the, the, the help or the guidance that you give some of the other women or the women who are discerning, uh, you're just helping them through the journey, helping them discern what... Mm -hmm. I, guess, I guess the real question is if, if there was someone watching right now, Yes. Who's thinking? Oh, I didn't know this existed. Yeah. This is this is what I. Yeah. This is where my heart is shaped. What advice would you give so, them? I work with Bishop Boissonneau. Okay, He's in the Archdiocese of, of Toronto. Toronto. Yes. So he'd be the one to contact, and you would. So they meet would contact him. the bishop directly. Yeah, and then after you meet him, then he would say, "I think this is a suitable candidate. So would you walk with this person for a year or two? Okay. That would be typical. So a year or two would be typical discernment. Yes. And then and formation. There's things to read and, and then reflect what on. Happened? And, and then, then you would be consecrated after two years. Uh, oh, there's not. Okay. No, it's not yes. written in stone. It's just when the time is right. Yes. Yeah. And so that has happened. There's, you know, there's six or eight people that I've been walking with. In this, in the Archdiocese yeah. of Toronto, and there's six or eight group. people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I say six or eight. Some of them left. No, okay, yeah. and and how many are consecrated in the Archdiocese of Toronto right now? Right now. Yeah, it's about ten or so. Like, oh, there's really? a few that I haven't met, but their names are on the list. Yes, and now just to go back to being a sign, are some of is it different for everyone? Are some of them sort of like undercover? I mean, they're not publicly. That's right. It's quite hidden. It is hidden. Yeah. That's why you don't know so, about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're doing this program. How, so then how is it a sign? I, get, I mean, I, I know what you mean yeah, by it being yeah. a sign, but in terms of it being a, a, a physical witness to the world, that, that might not be the case, depending on yeah. your, your, so, your situation. I think people that know me, I think I'm a sign on a more yes. informal level. But you're asking good questions. Like that, it's kind of a, a I'm not sure, it is a bit of a paradox there. Mm -hmm. And I think it is new and we're growing into it. Right, <clears throat> right, okay. Maybe this is a good place to end. Good questions, not always answers, but I guess that's part of our, our journey as we, as we get closer to, to Christ, which is, which is the journey that we're all on. Um, and you're, you're a sign <laughs> of the journey that we need to get, get, okay. get on board. Is Thanks, that fair Pedro. to say? Yeah. It's thank, been good to talk about it. Thank you, Mary, for your witness. Mm. You're welcome. That was a conversation I had with Mary Bastido, who is living her vocation as a consecrated virgin. You can watch my full conversation with Mary Bastido online at saltandlighttv.org or also on our Roku channel. 
If you're interested in learning more about this vocation, you should contact your local diocesan office. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Chris Bray with Pursue Me from his new live album, The Praises of His People. times I failed you how many times I've needed to come back to you and how many times you forgave me opened your arms embraced me
That was Chris Bray with Pursue Me from his new live album, The Praises of His People. And singing there with Chris is, you can hear the beautiful voice of Kate Adams. Now, Chris Bray is a young Canadian singer-songwriter who's been featured on our program many, many times. He's a Gospel Music Association uh, Covenant Award winner, and his songs, Called and Finally Let Go, are frequently played on Canadian Christian radio stations. Chris is also a full-time traveling worship leader and speaker. Um, And recently he recorded a live concert in order to create an experience that would lead the listeners to to worship. It's his second worship album, but this one's live. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Chris Bray. Chris, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's so good to so good to uh, to so well, and not, not that you aren't always doing something, but so good to know that you're doing something. Um, before we we talk about the album, we just heard a conversation with a young Jewish couple, uh, part of our marriage and family series. And you've been married for eight years. You have four kids. So, mm. I, 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 if if you were to give, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were to give uh, one piece one piece of advice to a young couple that's considering married life, what would you tell them? <laughs> oh man, that is on the spot. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know if I could unload everything that I've learned in eight years of marriage into like a, a little soundbite for you. But um, honestly, you know, uh, what I have looking back on the eight years of marriage and the last uh, almost six years of being a dad. Yeah. Um, it's grace, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's grace. You know what? You know that song. You know that Matt Martin. Your grace is enough. And, you know, yeah. Apostle Paul. He writes and. Uh, in his epistle, you know, your grace is sufficient, Lord. I mean, that's like an anthem for our family. It's, it's nice. great, you know. And nice. um, I think it's funny because we, when we had our first child, it really rocked our world. Yeah. And you know, it was everything was just flipped upside down. It's oh my goodness, you know, we have to like refigure out how to do everything again. And and then we had our second child, and it was like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> like we were we were anticipating like. Oh, it's you know it's going to be like the same thing except now it's double as bad, you know. And and then we realized <laughs> that we were really really uptight parents. Yeah. Uh, with our first child, and then the second child comes along, and you, you know you're kind of like, oh yeah, you know we know how to do this, like yeah, yeah, it's no problem. And then the third child comes along, and it's like you know, well whatever, you know we'll just let them crawl around in the dirt. And the fourth child comes along, and then it's just like, oh, where is that one again? Yeah, three, whatever. Four, right? Yeah, one, two, I know. Three, yeah, they're somewhere in the backyard. And, and the... so it's uh, not literally, but it's you know, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, God really will stretch you and 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 grow you if you allow him and uh and that's been kind of neat to see and witness over the last few years that's that's actually very good advice to say that god's grace is is what supports us in everything but it's certainly in marriage and family um it's four daughters that you have too right (laughs) yeah four girls (laughs) so what's that what's that like Man, it is awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, quite honestly, man, if, if God blesses us with uh, a little boy, I have no idea what I'd do with him because right. I'm a dad that's like, you know, we're painting fingernails and we're playing princess tea party and dressed oh, up. And, no. you know, oh, yeah. It's like, it's hardcore and it's girly and it's pink and purple everywhere. And it's, it's awesome. So, all, I love it. yeah, frozen all the way. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, your wife also, she was not Catholic originally. Was she Catholic when you were married? 
Nope. Uh, she came from the Baptist tradition. Uh-huh. And about a year into our marriage, um, she kind of came to me. And she, I mean, she had attended uh, the Catholic Church with me for years, you yeah. know, even while we were dating. And she would come every Sunday with me. Right. Um, but she wasn't, she hadn't gone through RCAA and hadn't been initiated yet. And about a year after we got married, she said, you know, I think I'd really like to become Catholic. Really? And and I was like, great. And I was ready to have like all these theological conversations with her and like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's talk about this. And she was like, no, I, I think I'm ready. Like, I don't have any problems with anything. And, um, you know, it just all makes sense. Like, hmm. if, if this is the church that Christ founded and, you know, I want to, I want to be faithful to that. And so I was like, awesome. Huh. And then, you know, at Easter, she was brought into the church, and it was just great. And now she's just a fantastic um, Catholic yeah, mom. Pro- and, yeah, and, probably uh, better than most Catholics. Um, before, she was, before she told you that she was interested in, in, in joining or being uh, admitted into the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and you were considering marriage, were you, did you have any kind of hesitation about that, about marrying someone who wasn't Catholic? Um, you know what, I... I didn't really. I, I was in the, kind uh-huh. of in the back of my mind. Uh, it was placed there, probably ingrained <laughs> from my parents. Um, yeah. But I, honestly, I wasn't into my faith enough to care. Okay. Um, interesting. You know, and and it was it's interesting because I think it's it was my wife Katie that really um, really brought me back to yeah. uh, our fervent faith in God, and she was the one that challenged me. You know, when she was still a Baptist and still saying like, right. well, why do you, why do you do this? And you know, why do you have to confess your sins to a priest? And where's purgatory in the Bible? She would ask me these questions that I would have no idea. <laughs> Good. And, yeah. And, and that, I think her um, and I kind of going on that journey together and we went through our CIA together. And um, I think doing that together as a couple was awesome for us Amazing. because we got to, we get to share uh, something really incredible together as a, as a married couple now. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm also I'm married to a non-Catholic as well, and uh, and I think and I think this is a good segue to talk about the album because I think it also it, it's almost that like God has given you, Chris, this opportunity to be a bridge between in the music world, and I and I've told you this before, so and I think you agree between the mm-hmm. Catholic music world and the non-Catholic, the Christian music scene. And you have an mm-hmm. album now that it's, it's full of praise songs, praise and worship. Some most of them are are not written by you or by Catholics, but they're songs mm-hmm. that we all listen to in Christian Christian stations and I think that you're uh, was that when you set out to do this particular album to create that worship experience for your listeners were you thinking about who wrote the songs and how important it was to have songs that were accessible in that sense yeah I mean in kind of in as a, just a that's a sort of fundamental of my ministry is I feel really blessed to have that opportunity yeah. to to be able to cross camps that way. And, you know, I grew up in the Catholic world and that's home for me and it always will be. But um, to have the opportunity to witness my faith, my Catholic faith um, in these different non-Catholic communities is yeah. really cool. And um, I, I get to share my perspective, which which might be a witness and illuminate some things for them. Mm-hmm. But I also, in turn, I learned some things as well. Yes. And um, w- it's really been awesome. You know, the last almost three years I've been in full-time ministry, mm-hmm. um, traveling around to different churches and that sort of thing. It's It's been really cool to see how God is working in different communities and how people have very different expressions of worship, yeah. even inside the Catholic Church. Yes. Um, there's so many different expressions. Some people are you know more charismatic and they want to raise their hands and get passionate and excited. Some people are really... Uh, reverent and just love and appreciate the, the peacefulness of, of, of just being in a quiet, empty church and praying, or, mm-hmm. or the d- different, various different devotions that we have. And, and I mean, the list goes on and on. 
And it's yeah. really been cool to experience that and to witness that. And I feel like this album, the goal is I, I really wanted to create something that people could use as a worship tool to, mm-hmm. um, to allow them to enter into worship with God. And so whether that's, you know, driving to work in the morning and yeah. putting the CD on, or if you're on an airplane with your iPod or whatever uh-huh. it is, um, just having something that's accessible and to feel like I am part of a church that's all worshiping God together and, right. and uh, to feel like you're actually there in the room with us. Yeah. And, and that's, that's that's how that came about, the praises of his people. Right. That's exactly what it is. Uh, about a year ago when you were last on this program and, and you were already working on the album, but I, we didn't get a lot of details. Did, did you know that it was going to be a live album or was that something that kind of evolved? How did you decide whether to do go into the recording studio or actually do it as a concert? Yeah, well, this has been something I've been uh, I've been wanting to do for a number of years, mm-hmm. and you had mentioned at the beginning there. I have this is sort of my second worship album. My very first album that I did, I called the worship album. The worship because, album, yeah. Because I, you know, I had done some stuff in the secular music world, and I really wanted it to, people to be clear to people that no, this is this is worship. This mm-hmm. is a Christian album, and this is for God, and um, sort of consecrated, set apart, that sort of thing. And yeah. um, this, I knew right away that. Um, there's something special that happens when you get a bunch of people in a room and you worship God together. Yeah. And I wanted to capture that experience so that um, even though you, maybe you can't come to a, a night of worship or you can't be at this conference or retreat or whatever it is, yeah. that you can still, it's still accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, no matter what time of day it is, you just, you know, this is a tool and a resource for people. And so, yeah, when I, when I started planning this about a year ago, um, I, I I had a very clear vision. You know, I want these songs to be songs that people know and love, mm-hmm. um, and I want it to be authentic and live, and and uh, and that's that's what we got. You did, really uh, cool. abs- yeah, absolutely. It is all that. So every time I speak to you, you're work- already working on something else. So what's what's new? What's coming down the pipes? What's <laughs> you know next? What? It's funny. Um, <laughs> God has He's uh, not only as, as a husband and a father, you know, stretching me and. <laughs> Um, allowing me to grow. I feel like as a songwriter, he's taking me different places too. And and uh, I don't know what it is, man. But like I've just been writing a lot of different kind of um, different kind types of songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of it is borderline like country. Really? <laughs> some of it is you know songs, stories, and experiences. And um, because you know, up until about a year ago, I was writing almost exclusively praise and worship style music. Yes. Um, Yes. And and now this this past year, God's been stirring different stuff in me. I think as a, as a father too, I have this one song that I wrote, and I've been um, sharing it from the stage uh, for the past few months. It's called the Molly Song, and I wrote uh-huh. it. Um, I wrote it for my six year old who, yeah, last year uh, went to school for the first year, and and uh, she came home. She said she was going to get married to a boy she met on the bus, <laughs> and and so that inspired you know that inspired me to write this song, and I share it from the stage, and it talks about you know that's the great. type of love that we're we are to aspire to to is the divine love, and and that sort of thing, and so it's it's just really cool. Um, to see uh, what God has kind of placed in my heart. And I'm really excited. Uh, I know that this record just came out, but I'm really excited to see what God has, you know, for a year from now when uh, when the next one comes out too. Yeah, good. So am I. I'm looking forward to the, the Chris Bray Country album. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, don't quote me on that. I don't know. I'm willing to follow God wherever he leads. We'll if it's see. In the country music, sure, but... Uh, don't quote me on that. <laughs> anyway, Chris, it's been good to to talk to you. Great, great uh, uh, listening to your music and having this album. And I I I, uh, I know our listeners will appreciate it as well. So thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, thank you so much. You can learn more about Chris Bray at his website, chrisbraymusic.com. That's also where you can book him for your for your event. Here now is Chris Bray with uh, a song by Hillsong called "Go." 
and this is from his new live worship album, The Praises of His People. Chris Bray with Go from his new live worship album, The Praises of His People. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org. Any comments or feedback or questions, you can send them to me via Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. <laughs>